Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to Dear World, Love Delilah, the quotable podcast with me, Darcy Lee, a moment meant to motivate, inspire, and empower. And I am super glad that you're here. So if you're joining me because you need the occasional reminder of your pure badassery or innate awesomeness, if you need help silencing that inner critic, getting through a tough day, want to be a part of a community of people who are dedicated to suiting up and showing up fully for their lives, or if you just want to be able to, at the end of it all, say, I did all I wanted to do with this life. I put it all on the table. I lived this life as fully and authentically and courageously as I could then welcome, because you, my friend, are in the right place. Every week, I will come here with something fun, fantastic, and authentic for you, whether it be amazing people, some of whom you've heard of because they are amazing out loud, and some that you need to hear of because their remarkable gifts are too good to keep behind the curtain any longer. We may also discuss an incredible book or share a beautiful idea that will help you truly live the life that you want to live. Together, we will meet, We will dream, we will learn, and we will laugh. Together, we will take this life by the horns and we will live it until the living is done. So, my fellow rock stars, are you ready for an adventure? Here's to the journey. I am really excited. Let's do this. Dear world, I'm sending you all the warmth and light. Love, Delilah. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Hey, so the other night I was in Nashville again, Franklin area actually, and I love going. I do. I love the hotel I stay at, the way they feed us in the morning, and the way the group feeds us at night. The hotel has a free breakfast, and the hotel has a free evening mixer um, with free drinks and free yummy goodness. (laughs) I don't drink, but I do like to partake of the free yummy goodness. (laughs) Um, And I just, I generally love staying in hotels. Seriously, staying in hotels is, is like my jam. I don't even have mine clean if I stay less than a week because I don't need to because it's just me. There's no one else's mess to clean up and no one to compromise with and no one to be considerate of. Now, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Right? I love my family. I have an amazing husband and three beautiful kids. Uh, I have three adorable and sweet dogs who ensure that my husband and kids continue living. <laughs> um, it's just that in a hotel room, It's like a parallel universe. It's clean. It's quiet. The TV never comes on, not once. I sleep on a king-size bed just for me, and I surround myself with pillows. And here's the thing. My husband and I, we're big cuddlers, and I love that about us. First time I ever loved that, that we cuddle. Like, historically, when sharing a bed, I was very much like... Oh my God, you're suffocating me. (laughs) Well, except with my dog, Boo Bear. (laughs) I could always share a bed with Boo Bear. Um, But every other human beside my husband was always just too close. uh, Too close for me to sleep. Until I would tell them that they were too close for me to sleep. And then, well, (laughs) that conversation never went well. 
So I do. I love cuddling with my husband. But I also love sleeping in a king-size bed alone, surrounded by pillows with clean sheets in a quiet room. I love having a coffee maker in the bedroom and a refrigerator and a microwave in a hotel room that's totally acceptable. (laughs) Uh, In a bedroom, I feel like it just kind of makes me lazy and spoiled. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe that's just a mindset. We have plans to renovate our bedroom this year. Or maybe next year. I don't know. You know how it goes. But I think I may put a coffee maker in there. And I was thinking I may put like a little mini fridge. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe out on the deck that my amazing husband is building uh, for us. Like as we speak actually. And there's going to be a door to that deck that comes from our renovated bedroom. And really it'll come from the bedroom before it's renovated. That'll be the start. Um, so yeah, I love hotel rooms. I love the quiet. I love being able to walk around naked when I first get out of the shower. And then even that feeling of suddenly getting cold and having to rush to put clothes on because the thermostat that is set at what I want it to be makes the room a little bit too chilly for me. Um, and so I get in my warm sweats and my tank top and my sweatshirt. It's pretty awesome. I love that all the best hotels have a little chair and an ottoman and a desk. And I love that most of them have an indoor pool um, somewhere close by. And I rarely swim in them, but I could. (laughs) And it has a gym close by, too. And I rarely use it, but I could. I could. (laughs) So, yeah, all of that is to say uh, I love me some hotel rooms. They mean that I could be anywhere. They mean that the world is my oyster, that there's so much to see. Uh, Last time I was in a hotel was last month. I was in Memphis. What up, Memphis? <laughs> so the Sheridan downtown. And you know that I didn't even leave the hotel. I didn't. Now, in my defense, I've been to Memphis before. Um, so I've done kind of the touristy stuff. And, and of course, the food. The food is amazing in Memphis. Um, but I don't really allow myself to eat a lot of it anymore. Uh, like the yummy fried chicken, the hot chicken. It's super duper good, obviously, um, the barbecue, but my desire to kind of listen to my body doesn't allow much of that anymore. So I, uh, I was there and I just hung out in the hotel and I loved it. I loved it. And, uh, oh, and you know what? That time I actually did use both the pool and the gym. So there, (laughs) but my point is, um, I feel this magical kind of, I could be anywhere feeling in hotels, even if I don't leave, they're just such a treat for me. (sighs) Um, so this time, the reason I'm staying in a hotel now is I am in the Franklin Nashville area and I'm here with a regional community planning group that surrounds the prevention and treatment of HIV and it's sort of run by the state. 
And part of that is that every night we go out to dinner with the group as well. So in about three days, we spend the better part of a full 36 hours together, which could be disastrous for someone who's super excited about being in a hotel room because it means the absence of all people, (laughs) amongst other things. Um, But every time I come, I'm reminded, pleasantly surprised uh, by how much fun I have with this particular group of people people. So last night we were at a table of about 20. Um, but eight of us were sitting close enough to be able to hold a fun and interesting conversation. And what's neat is our group of eight was pretty uniquely representative too. Uh, black, white, gay, straight, male, female, younger, older, uh, single and partnered. A group like that is I mean, when you really think about it, it can be really uncommon, which is unfortunate. Um, But also a group like that is likely to have some pretty saucy conversations, especially when we're a group that works to prevent and treat HIV and other STIs, which means that we're sort of in the business of sex. (laughs) It's funny, really. Um, It's funny to me how comfortable I am talking about sex. And what's funnier is that it's only funny to me when I'm reminded that a majority of people are still really uncomfortable uh, with talking about sex, you know? So, uh, I mean, it's like, well, the talk at the water cooler at your typical place of employment is, I don't know, about the kids or what you did last weekend and how boring the last meeting was. In this line of work, conversations usually revolve around condoms and lubricant, uh, condom demonstrators called Woody, serial positioning, um, and how busy we've been with the new needle exchange, things like that, you know, so basically drug, sex, and rock and roll. (laughs) It's actually pretty amazing, though, and it's fun, and it's interesting, and it's awesome that it can be all of that, because it's also so, so necessary. Uh, So we were talking about work. Tennessee just passed a bill allowing for syringe service programs or needle exchange programs uh, to live in the state of Tennessee, which is a huge deal. And it's likely to be a conversation for quite some time, right? Uh, So we talked about work. We talked about partners, our partners who are sitting at home while we're talking about them. (laughs) We're talking about the food we're eating and we're talking about language, Uh, like how the use of the word literally when when one is not being literal has become really common and how acceptable it's become. And I mean, when I say acceptable, I found out last night that it's like officially acceptable because the second definition of the word literally now validates the informal use of the word to provide emphasis. So now literally can also mean figuratively. (laughs) Finding that out last night sort of broke my heart. (laughs) It did. It's just like, ah, is nothing sacred? (laughs) Um, But we started talking about how we are perceived as people, as individuals. Um, And I don't know how that conversation sort of started or how it came about. And I know it sounds really cliche, but I said out loud at some point in this conversation, like, I don't know. Ultimately, I don't really care what people think of me. 
And the smart, charming, interesting, and pretty woman across from me said, can you tell us a little bit about how that feels? <laughs> Not caring what people think. Can you tell us what that feels like? And I looked at her and then I looked at guy beside me, um, guy, not my guy friend, like my friend guy, his name is guy. And he says, yeah, what is that like? And I sort of did a double take because honestly I couldn't tell. So I asked him like, are you being sarcastic? You know, are they picking on me? Um, but they assured me that they weren't, they were serious and they really wanted to know what it feels like not to worry about what people think. And Man, it just, the things that we take for granted, right? And I immediately wanted to share it. Now, let me just preface this with a few things, okay? I know the phrase, I don't care what people think of me, is thrown a lot, uh, thrown around a lot. Um, and for me, there are definitely terms and conditions, right? There's definitely a series of asterisks uh, that follow, you know, for example, if I love someone, of course, <laughs> I hope that they love me back, right? I mean, I of course, like what my husband thinks of me is important to me. You know, I hope he likes an outfit that I'm wearing. I hope he does. Um, if I respect or admire someone, of course, I hope that they respect me too. And I would be super happy and humbled if they admired me as well, right? Mwah. Admirable. Of course, that would be nice. Um, I want my husband and I to double date with Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard. Seriously. And if we did double date and they didn't like us enough to like say yes to a second double date or invite us to the next casual, cool gathering at their house, I would be really sad. <laughs> like I'd be really sad. I also really like Anna Kendrick and I want her to like me. And I want Tim Gunn from Project Runway to like me. <laughs> I want them all to like me. I want, oh my gosh, I want Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine to like me too. I mean, yeah, he's a fictional character, but if he were real and if we met and he didn't like me, it would definitely crush me a little bit. Like, I want to be his best friend. <laughs> I also want to be liked by the entire cast of New Girl. And so, okay, so I want to be liked by a lot of people because I'd also like to be liked by every barista at a coffee shop. I want them to like me despite my really annoying coffee drink order, right? So yeah, of course, like there's this desire as a human being to be liked by other human beings, you know? That's not what I mean when I say that I don't really care what people think of me. The point is, yes, I want people to like me. Okay, to think I'm cool, to like the outfit that I picked out at the store, the time I tried it on two or three times to be sure, you know, um, or, you know, to be made happy by the bright, fuzzy, faux fur leg warmers that make me happy when I put them on. I want those things. They would be nice and enjoyable and they would make my life easier in a lot of ways, a little bit brighter even. But... And yeah, like, there's a really huge butt. <laughs> there's a really huge butt. Like, I have a huge butt. <laughs> but there's a really huge exception or, you know, kind of rule that, that, that goes with that, that precedes that even. And it's this. If someone doesn't like me, I'm going to be okay. If someone doesn't like me, 
And hey, like, bummer. You know, if someone doesn't like me, it's not really my problem. As a matter of fact, um, somebody else at the table brought up last night is I'd heard over and over again in the rooms of AA. He said, what other people think of me is not my business. Boom. Boom, right? Like, Now, that's not like a me dropping the mic boom or an in-your-face boom. That's a mind-blown boom. What other people think of me is not my business. Now, there's room to disagree with that, okay? And there's room to add stipulations. Well, what if, uh, what if your boss doesn't like you? Okay, yeah, problematic, blah, blah, blah. It's not real black and white. It's not real clear cut, okay? Um, because nothing really is. But for the sake of the conversation, I'll clarify what I believe it to mean. And it's simply this. No matter what I do or don't do, no matter how I behave, no matter how quiet or loud I am, how right or wrong I am, no matter how cute and cuddly I am, or how combative and prickly I am, Although I like to think that I'm mostly cute and cuddly, though. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, but no matter how I dress, how I wear my hair, there is always going to be someone who loves me. And there's always going to be someone who doesn't. There's going to be someone who thinks that I'm super cool. And for those of you out there who think I'm super cool, thank you. <laughs> Um, but there's also always going to be someone who thinks that I'm not worth the hype, right? No matter what I say or don't say, there's going to be someone who thinks I'm smart and cute and funny and wise, and there's going to be someone who would prefer not to spend another single freaking second with me. <laughs> and I can't expect anything else. I can't change that. Changing that is impossible, you want to know a truth that changed my life, like for real, for real changed it? A truth that virtually propelled me into a state of acceptance? Someone said to me, you can't please everyone. <laughs> Profound, right? I'm sure you've heard that. You can't please everyone. But the thing about it is what I understood is that it's you literally can't please everyone. And I don't mean literally, I mean literally, literally, not like the new figuratively, literally. It is literally impossible to make everyone happy. And it is especially impossible if you consider yourself someone and part of that collective everyone. You can't. Pleasing everyone else would be an impressive feat in of itself, but doing that, making everyone happy and being true to you, being happy with you, pleasing you, it can't be done. And I would stand to argue that it, that even if you took you out of the equation and it was just about everyone else, it still can't be done. Uh, there's a quote that I love. It's an Audrey Hepburn quote, and it said, nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible. I love that quote. I do. I love that quote. And I'm a huge fan of its sentiment. And I think that it is true most of the time. But the exception, because there's always an exception, that is the rule. The exception to that is pleasing everyone. 
it can't be done. And understanding that, finally kind of grasping that, being able to wrap my head around it, it saved me. And it didn't save me from others. It saved me from myself. It allowed me to put it down, the weight, the burden to let, it allowed me to let go of the impossible task, task of being someone for everyone. It delivered me from under the pressure that I put on myself to be, to be, ooh, to be perfect. <laughs> you know, perfection, that ever elusive state of being what we think we should strive to be, right? That made up caveat to being loved unconditionally. Ironic, right? We want to be loved unconditionally, so we strive to be perfect, to remove all the possible conditions under which we might not be loved. Go figure. So we were having this conversation, right, and it sort of came down to this. If you go to my website on the About Me page, you'll see that I put together a few pictures of me from infancy to sometime last year. Now, I didn't put the best pics from those times up. Oh, no. First of all, I'm not sure there were any best pics from those times. As a baby, I had the biggest, weirdest shaped head. And you know why? Because my cheeks were the biggest part of it. Like, seriously, like, they were huge. And not in that, oh, look at those chubby cheeks, kind of huge. But in a, why is her head shaped like that, kind of huge. <laughs> in another of the pics... I look like a very, very handsome little boy. Seriously, it's obvious I was going to be a heartbreaker. I'd have to fight the girls off with a stick. Which is actually, it sort of worked out in my advantage. Because since, as an adult, I've discovered I'm attracted to both men and women. You know, it, it's not a bad rap. But that's not the point. <laughs> Sorry to resort to an overused cliche, but if I had a dime for every time I was asked as a kid if I was a boy or a girl, let's just say I would be recording this episode from our winter house in Hawaii while they warmed up our private jet so we could go pick up Kristen, Dax, and Anna with tickets to see Imagine Dragons <laughs> for a good show and a meet and greet. You know, God, that would be the best double date ever, wouldn't it? <laughs> But I digress. The point is, um, I was an awkward kid, to say the least. I was an awkward kid all the way up until, uh, well, I kind of liked myself. Even when I was young, I kind of liked that I was friendly and creative. I liked that I had a gift for writing and drawing, that I was naturally athletic. I liked that I could make other people feel comfortable and liked, you know, I liked that in the third grade when they wanted the third and the sixth graders to be able to play together by having girls play duck, duck, goose and having the boys play kickball. I liked that I wanted to play kickball. And you know what I did? I fucking went and played kickball. I didn't have a reason not to. I liked who I was until other people told me that I shouldn't. When I was nine, I moved and I switched schools. And from the time that I was nine years old until I was a junior in high school, I was picked on every single school day of my life. Everyone. Everyone. My full lips, my light skin, 
talking too much, talking too white, the clothes that I wore, everything. To say that I didn't fit in is an understatement. I was half black, half white, and at the time, and I didn't realize it until I was an adult, but at the time, there honestly weren't a lot of other mixed kids around. I got the hair of a black person, the skin of a white person, the lips of a black person, the eyes of a white person, put together in pieces from each half. And people didn't know what to make of me. You know, do you know what I was asked almost as often as, are you a boy or a girl? I was asked, what are you? What are you? How do you even answer that? You know, what it came down to is I, you know, I didn't fit in. And while I understand in retrospect that it was a gift, that I wasn't meant to fit in, that standing out would one day create opportunity after opportunity, you know, to help others in so many big and beautiful and transformational ways. Although I was able to understand that as I grew older, learn that and I had to learn that standing out would one day create opportunity after opportunity to help others in so many big and beautiful and transformational ways. And although I was able to understand that as I grew older, it took a lot of heartache as a child because I had to come into a knowing of that, live into a knowing of that, learn that. You know, and I had to learn that by doing a lot of stuff that didn't work first. Now, I didn't share all of that at dinner the other night. And dinner, <laughs> that's where this conversation started, right? So dinner the other night when someone said to me, tell us how it feels not to care what other people think. Um, but even as she asked that question, I don't think that that is the question she really wanted the answer to. And it's funny because I had never been asked that before, how it feels not to care. And that's interesting of itself. Um, I feel like the right answer to that is exactly how you imagine it feels, right? So had she, had I thought that's what she was really asking, um, my answer would have been, it feels exactly how you might imagine it feels, powerful, free, and light, right? But that's not what I said, because that's, that's not what I think she was really asking. And I mean, maybe she was. You know, maybe to her it was like someone who's denying themselves some of the biggest pleasures for one reason or another, you know, maybe a diet, maybe because of money, maybe just because they don't feel they deserve them. Someone staring at someone else eating a double double chocolate lava cake with vanilla ice cream, right, hot and melty and gooey and saying, tell us what that hot and melty and gooey pile of chocolate and vanilla tastes like. Is it as freaking amazing as it looks? Um, so maybe that is what she was asking. Maybe it was like that, you know, maybe not caring what others think to some is like a hot chocolatey vanilla gooey pile of utter yumminess that they think some people can have and some can't, or that they think they don't deserve. Um, maybe, but I didn't really answer that question. Um, instead of describing it to her, I asked if she wanted a bite. I said, from the time that I was in the fourth grade and on, I was picked on. I don't mean like fingers pointed and na 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 you know. I mean like brutally picked on to the point of tears more often than not. 
People called me names and spread rumors about me, stole things from me, and would sometimes pretend to be my friend long enough to really suck me in and break me when they told me it was an act or when they, they brought me in front of other people and humiliated me, me thinking that they were my friend, that they were finally coming around. It was terrible. Um, it was terrible. Now, yeah, other people have harder lives. I get that. I think I even, I wasn't sex trafficked. I wasn't sexually abused. How can I say that, you know, that there were times in my life that were terrible. Um, but for me, in my life, in my experience, it was terrible. Um, what I did, you know, what I didn't tell her, and I don't know if it's because I didn't think of it in the moment, but the truth is that I thank God every day that there was no Facebook when I was a kid. No Facebook, no Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or Musical.ly. I honestly don't know if I would have survived it. I don't. I don't know. Like, I honestly, I think about these young boys and girls who are taking their own lives. Did you know that ages 13 to 24, suicide is the high, the second highest killer beside accidents? <sighs> you know, I just, I don't know if I would have survived it. The kids now, the ones who are making it through being cyberbullied after being bullied in person, they are tough as nails, man. My hat goes off to them. Tougher than tough. Because I don't think I would have made it. But the other thing that I told her was that I spent all of that time trying to get them to stop. And they didn't stop. So I stopped trying. Because it wasn't about me. It was about them. You see, I tried everything to change into a girl that they wouldn't pick on anymore that they would like. I tried to dress like them. I tried getting louder. I tried being quiet. I tried being smarter. I tried failing. I tried staying under the radar and I tried getting in trouble, rebelling, being cool. I even used to give my stuff away. <laughs> and you know what? None of it worked. None of it. No matter what I did, the people who picked on me kept picking on me. The ones who hated me kept hating me. And what sucks is that the ones that liked me before that, they liked me less because I was changing. I wasn't the person that they liked, right? I was trying to be someone else. So not only did I have the same people picking on me, um, but I had fewer people liking me than when I started because I went from authentic and quirky and cute and cool to fake, you know, and to overly worried about, about like, impressing these people who really didn't deserve my time and energy, you know? And somehow, for some reason, at some point, I realized it wasn't about me. It was about them. It was about them because if it was about me, something that I would have tried would have worked. Something would have worked. I tried everything, and if it was really about me, something would have worked. Something would have made them like me, but nothing did because I was not the fucking problem. Something inside of them was the problem. Something around them was the problem, 
but I wasn't the problem. I was a freaking rock star. <laughs> I was a rock star. And so when I said this, the woman, the smart, beautiful, successful, quirky, fun woman in front of me, Sydney, uh, the one who told me to tell everyone how it feels, not to care, she nodded in agreement. And Guy, Guy, my friend sitting next to me, who I like to chat with, um, with you know, like I like to text him with all of the exclamation marks and emojis because his fun, sassy personality and our dynamic warrants that. And Guy nodded and he said, I wish you could really help that settle in. I wish you could say something that really sealed the deal, that really helped people understand that. And then slamming his hand down on the table, he said, you should do an episode about that, about this topic, about this, what we're talking about. So, hey, guy. <laughs> Actually, hey to all y'all. Uh, guy, Sydney, Ernie, Dwayne, Anthony, Bryson, and Chris. Woo-woo. Um, because I'll tell you what, that conversation, it stuck with me. The thing is, when I say that it is literally impossible to please everyone, my desire to emphasize that, to really want you to understand it and to embrace it, is what makes me so sad that they've taken some of the power away from the word literally by adding an informal definition to it. An informal definition that is literally the opposite of what the word means. It is a sad day. Uh, and I've just noticed I've dropped a few F-bombs, um, kind of sorry, not sorry, sorry, <laughs> two things that I'm passionate about, language and people's fragile hearts. <sighs> but it really, really is impossible to please everyone. So why do we keep trying? Why do we waste our time trying, trying to convince those who are on the fence about us that we are awesome instead of hugging and kissing and walking through parks with the ones who already know? Why do we fight for memberships into clubs that don't want us when there is tribe, community, amazing, beautiful, smart, fun people that do what is it about rejection to which we are so attached? What is it about the insult, the one insult, the one you're not worthy that we hear or think or feel that outweighs all of the evidence to the contrary? Why, when we hear, you're a rock star, <laughs> do we think, wow, that's really nice of you to say, but... Ugh you know, whatever follows, if you only knew, or whatever, you know? And you know what? This is even more true for women. I mean, did you know that? Like, yes, men deal with pressure, absolutely. It is difficult to be human in general, and for all different reasons. And true, too, is that as women, we are taught that we need to change who we are in order to have what we want in order to be what we want, or we're taught that it's not okay to have or be what we want, or to even want it. Don't be outwardly confident, or you'll appear as stuck up. Don't have too strong of an opinion, or you'll be abrasive. Don't stand up for yourself, or you're a bee. <laughs> and whatever you do, don't. Don't love yourself. 
Don't be too into yourself. Don't recognize your own beauty and sell your own strengths. That's just not, it's not modest. A lady doesn't do that. You know what? Like, I'm no lady. I'm no lady. I cuss like a sailor. I have tattoos like one too. I eat like a linebacker and I hit like a girl bear who's protecting her cubs. I don't wear makeup when I don't want to. And I wear makeup when I do. I change the color of my hair to suit my mood. And I may wear a poodle skirt and a blouse one day and a, and my ride or die with Daryl off the shoulder t-shirt the next. You know, and when I wear my bright rainbow faux fur leg warmers, I focus on the ones who smile at me and I forget the ones who glare. Because why not? Why not? Why would the ones that glare be more important than the ones who smile? Why would I spend more energy on the ones who don't love me than on the ones that do? It just, it doesn't make sense. I'm the only me that there is. You are the only you that there is. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. And you have a purpose. And yes, I have my flaws, my shortcomings, my cracks. We all do. But you know what? We suit up and show up. We fill them with gold, present them to the ones we love and who love us, and we move on. And we just keep trying to be our best selves. And then what other people think of my best self is none of my business. It's none of my business. Whatever. Like, do I want you to like me? Yeah. You know, but if you don't, you don't. And you know what? You're missing out. Because I'm actually, like, super cool and fun. (laughs) You know, whatever. Whatever. It's okay. It is okay. Um, It's okay if someone doesn't like me. It's okay. And then there comes this. Just some gratitude. It occurred to me how lucky I am to have people with whom I can have conversations like the one that we had at dinner the other night. These are people that I see a few times a year, uh, connected in part by by our occupations, but more so by a common cause. Right? We all are in the business of helping people. In this case, we help people as it relates to the prevention and treatment of HIV. But the key is that we want to help people. And in order to be the most effective in the helping field, we have to know our gifts and strengths, our shortcomings and our weaknesses. We have, we have to understand others, be inspired by others but not be controlled by others or their perception of us. We don't have to be perfect. Not only is perfect unobtainable, but it wouldn't be very effective, even if it was possible. Perfect doesn't really help people, right? Perfect does not really help people. Relatable helps people. Authenticity helps people. Real helps people. Compassion, empathy, those are the things that help people. So you get a group of helpers who work in the sex-related field together, and you get a fun, interesting conversation that helps the helpers, encourages the encouragers, supports the supporters. And how lucky am I to be able to be a part of that? How fortunate am I? 
So, I feel like to end this with a quote would be really appropriate right now. And who better than Dr. Seuss? So here we go. Be who you are and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. All right, friends, here is where we will end this episode of Dear World, Love, Delilah. Thank you so, so much for being here. I will say it today and I will say it every single episode. You are the reason I do this and you are the reason that I get to do this. I'm having so much fun here and I'm really, really grateful to be able to spend this time with you. Seriously, thank you for this, for all the love that you give me between episodes each week, the emails, the Facebook messages, the love that you give me on social media, and the reviews that you leave on iTunes. You guys are rock stars, and I am just super happy that I get to be in the band. So with that, if you did like this episode, if you feel like it had bits of juicy, yummy goodness that can help someone you know or someone you care about, then I hope you will take a moment to share it on Facebook or on Instagram. And then maybe even take another moment to leave a review on iTunes. All that stuff makes a huge difference in what I'm able to offer you from week to week, and it really only takes seconds, literally seconds, to do this from your phone or tablet right now. So please, just remember, sharing is caring. Also, if you haven't gotten your hands on my free 15-page ebook that can help you take some really small steps to making some big, awesome changes in your life, then you need to go get that. It is free, it's fun, and it is found at DarcyLee.com. Plus, I am developing my new fancy online coaching subscription called Mini Blueprint to Being, and it's only going to be, wait for it, $6 a month. Let that sink in for a second. We're talking about the price of Little Caesars Extra Most Best Hits Pizza with all of its yummy goodness and convenience, but without any of the feeling you feel when you've had too much of it. And the first month is going to be on me. So basically, I'm going to be giving you killer tips, tricks, resources, and support as you embark on a personalized journey of self-love, personal growth, and improving how you feel about who you are and the life you're living. And I'm also pretty much buying you a pizza. (laughs) I mean, how can it get much better than that? With the mini blueprint to being subscription, you'll get a ton of treats, monthly reflections, and goal inspiration. You'll get writing prompts, mini podcasts, videos, great information and resources on the topic of the month, as well as coupons on cool life, love, and self-care goodies. You'll also get rockstar swag, like a legit personalized care package from yours truly and discounted access to one of many of my upcoming programs and courses. Yeah, so all of that for only $6 a month after you get the first month on me. And of course, you can cancel anytime you want, but you won't want to because it's going to be epic. Just saying, I promise. If you want to know more about it, or if you have any specific topics or struggles you would like to see addressed in the subscription, You can stay tuned, or you can even shoot me an email at hello at darcylee.com. Anywho, before signing off, I want to give a special thanks to my badass executive producer, Wayne Renbure, without whom I'd be lost, and I want to thank you one more time for being here. I truly hope that you've got something that you needed, and I cannot wait to be here with you again next week. 
So with that, dear world, I am sending so many hugs and kisses. Love, Delilah.